Welcome back to Rolando. We were so sad that he wasn't here last week, but Did you now say welcome back, back to Rolando? What does that mean? <laughs> like, uh, you know, Rolando is back in your lives. So oh. it's like, s- stay tuned. He'll be here next week. Well, welcome back. Here he is. I am here. Uh, he is. You know, I want to say that I listened to last week's episode, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I considered it because I kept accusing Eddie in my uh, COVID delirium. I kept accusing him that you guys were just plotting against me. Well, um, then I'm super glad you didn't listen. <laughs> and you don't have to. It's it's totally fine. I probably will never go. But this is a, uh, yeah, well, that's true. Once you're done with something, you're just done. Mm-hmm. That's my motto. That is his motto. Moving on up. Uh so we're going to do a full-length episode today, and we're actually covering some recent remakes, reboots, and revivals properties. Today is a reboot, reboot, remake. Remake. Re- it's a remake. Yeah. Today is a remake. Why can't I talk? This is terrible. <laughs> today is a remake, and, you know, it's a remake, uh, but it's Stephen King, and we've covered Stephen King at least three times before. This might be the fourth, possibly fifth. So I do want to ask Rolando a question in honor of him being back. Which is out mm-hmm. of all of the Stephen King worlds, and maybe we'll just limit it to the ones we've covered, which was Pet Cemetery, It, Chapter One and Two, and Doctor Sleep, and now Firestarter. Which world would you most want to be in and least want to be in? Oh, I can tell you the one I would never want to be in is probably It. I think the idea of like a clown, not a clown, but like a demon, just knowing your fears and really exploiting it. We'll get yeah. to you. I wonder what mine would be. I assume, I don't know, like a very MAGA Republican <laughs> would be my would be my torture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for which one I would want to be in, I would want to be in Doctor Sleep or The Shining. Right? Like, really? Do I get the, do I get the powers? Uh, well, yeah. All most of these people have some form of telekinesis, yeah. right? Although Danny I don't is. know, I kind of like the energy vampire though. Mm, from Dr. Sleep, oh. so maybe I had to go that route. So you want to be part of that clan? Yeah, I want to be the leader of that clan. Oh, shit. You know, you know you're going to die, though. If, oh, I had to live out their fate? I guess that's how the the rules of the world works then. So, yes, I'm I'm making that a thing right now. Yes, okay. you have to live out their well, fate. Then I'd still probably <laughs> pick Dr. Sleep because, like, they were vampires. They lived a long time. True. So, you know. Well, I would not want to live in Pet Cemetery because that would just be too tempting for me. And, of course, utterly devastating because we all know where that goes. Mm-hmm. But I think I might want to live in the Firestarter world, but it depends on if we're talking about 1984 or 2022. <laughs> I mean, that's a very good stipulation, you know? Yeah. And, of course, that is what we are discussing today. The 1984 film and the 2022 remake of Firestarter by Stephen King. Uh, it's so nice to have you back, Rolando. Thank you. It's nice to be back because... It was never touch and go. It wasn't that bad, but I was so achy. I was, oh, God. When you were saying, like, we're going to record, I'm just like, bye. I can't. <laughs> I have no energy. I quit, yeah. <laughs> All right. I am Nicole. And I'm Rolando. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast. About unoriginality. Un- So, Rolando, you were sick, but I feel like when people are sick, that's the most opportune time for them to watch something or listen to something or read something. So what were you indulging in while you were sick in bed? So I actually didn't, I didn't watch much while I was sick, right? Like I, 
I just slept. Uh, mm. If I I did use the opportunity for some reason, it just kicked in me to like rewatch, start rewatching Breaking Bad. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Like I just, just being sick, I decided I'm like, you know what I want to do? I want to be in New Mexico and <laughs> uh, cooking meth with Walter White and uh, and Jesse Pinkman. And I, it's funny because I haven't seen that show since it actually came out. Oh. Right, that was the last time I saw it, and I was watching the last three seasons of that show, like week by week, season by season. Right, and it's crazy how different of an experience it is binging it. Uh, yeah. I feel like I'm picking up on things that I completely forgot about. Wow, yeah. uh, I've never seen that show. Um, I yeah. think I started the first season and I just stopped because I was just like, I can't. The show, I'm surprised. I mean, the show is so good. The show is excellent it is easily it is it i thought it would like kind of dwindle since it's been so long since i've seen it it's just like it's not it probably won't hold up but like the show still holds up that show is is top notch i think it's like the highest rated television show on imdb i mean people love it people also it's love good. better call sal i think even like they're um, weak oh that's the so that's the other reason why i'm gonna eventually try to pick up better call Saul, and i'm also eventually gonna try to go to uh the the movie that came out on netflix the revival oh wow Eddie Z, uh, what have you been watching, reading, listening to? Um, I'm trying to think <laughs> about the last time you asked me that question. That's true. I might have just put you in the spot. I'm sorry. Well, like, totally. So since I was dealing with... Um, dealing with... Go ahead. Finish that sentence. Were, were you dealing with Walter White? <laughs> no. He no. has been. I mean, every time he yeah. sees me watching it, it's, turn it off. <laughs> no, so like I think I mentioned in... Uh, last podcast, um, I com- binge watched Heartbreak Heartstoppers again on Netflix. I have a quick question. You're mm-hmm. binging Breaking Bad. You're doing Heartstoppers. Do you guys binge in separate rooms? You don't do it together. No. Yeah. Uh, so uh, usually I binge. <laughs> this is a good question. I usually <laughs> binge while I'm washing dishes or cooking. <laughs> when you're half when paying wa- attention. Yeah, because I've seen Breaking Bad. I know what it does and stuff. Like, it's like background noise, right? I'm not. Okay. I'm not intent. I will intently watch specific scenes. Like just now, I had to render a project, and I was able to rewatch the ending of One Minute, the episode where Hank Schrader gets in a gunfight with uh, the two cousins, right? Okay. And if you're a Breaking Bad fan, you know exactly the scene I'm talking about because this scene yeah. is phenomenal. Um. Uh, yeah, so I, I find my moments to binge. But no, yeah, we only have one TV, so like it's it's a hard thing to binge separately. If you know what we watch, we've been watching together. We've been watching Bling Empire on Netflix together. Yeah, we saw Bling Empire. Oh, that's, okay. Yeah, that's what I've been watching. That yeah, that, yeah, that's a reality TV show Absolutely about r- crazy ridiculous. rich Asians. <laughs> they, wow, <laughs> ridiculous. There's so many shows. It's crazy. How do you keep up with all of them? All these platforms, all these shows. It's crazy. It's true. I mean, being picky helps. This is true. Well, on the other side of the spectrum, I don't watch television. I watch uh, films. So some film recommendations are, I recently saw a a film from the 70s. It's such a different, we're like on the opposite sides. Me me and Eddie here (laughs) talking about like reality TV show, not even reality, Netflix reality TV show, which I think is like bottom of the barrel. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And I'm going to talk to you about a 1968 film from the Czech Republic. Um, 
Actually, oh. I did see a magnificent film called Daisies, which is really radical and really just a, a film of vignette. Vignettes about women and their relationships with food and sexuality. But I also saw this movie more recently called Clute with Jane Fonda, and she won the Academy Award for it. Clute? And it was Clute, K-L-U-T-E. Oh. I think I was like, um, I don't remember Jane Fonda being in Clue. <laughs> she plays a, I guess a, I, I don't want to call her a prostitute, but I guess by today's definition, she would be. I think prostitute is an outdated term. It's called sex worker. There you go. She plays a sex worker. Nice. And it's kind of like a thriller. Somebody's killing off people, and this this guy's investigating it, and he's John Clute, and he, of course, falls in love with Jane Fonda. And just movies don't look like this anymore. It was just so beautifully shot. And it moved at what I consider to be a very beautiful pace. It took its time, and it lingered on scenes. And I just, that's my thing, and I loved that. And it was just so crazy. I was like, wow, if I had my friends over, you know, would they find this movie boring, or would they be captivated? Because I was utterly captivated. Um, so it's just interesting how, you know, pacing and the way that like a, you, you choose to move a scene, you know, can really make or break, uh, either television or film or theater, you know, any art form, like the, the way a scene moves. So, yes. Anyway, I know we didn't, I know you and Eddie talked about last week about like all the stuff that you guys watched while we were on break. Mm-hmm. I want to just say this. I saw the Northman and, uh, I just want to point this out weakest of his mainstream films so far i i was yeah robert eggers the filmmaker thank you robert third film the witch third film the lighthouse i love the witch the The lighthouse was great i thought it was so homoerotic yeah the Uh, lighthouse is great it is right and uh this one was just a kind of a letdown it was just like oh watered down conan Conan. i've been so busy that i haven't even been able to see it and i think it's already out of theaters which i'm bummed about but once it you know what it deserves it also (laughs) your girl nicole kidman <clears throat> She's my girl since when? Is it? Yeah, I thought you like. No I thought you. I thought you were a fan of uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, oh, you mean when I had the poster? Yeah, I mean pre work on her face. Nicole Kidman is my girl. That's After. it. That's what I wanted to call her. I was just like, good golly, that work on it's. It's so she. It makes it so hard for her to emote. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's to the point where it's just she's a great actress because she can still emote with her voice and like her screaming and stuff. But like, it, it's it's hard watching. I don't know, like a mannequin. <laughs> I, I, I actually would agree. Uh, yeah, but enough and about mannequins that. is actually something I want to complain about when we talk about the new uh, Firestarter. So that's my weak segue. <laughs> well, yeah. So Firestarter. So more so of a segue. Has anyone read the book? I did. And can you Eddie tell us has about been it? Dying to like. I did. For this question to be asked. So when did you read it? So I mean, it was a long time ago. Um yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I was, it was uh, during the time as a kid getting into sci-fi and anything dealing with like paranormal stuff. Mm. So I actually saw the movie first. Okay. I saw this movie as a little kid and I was just like, this is so fascinating. I would love to know more about this. And um, then I just picked it up and it was just very good. It was very, um, very good in the sense of like, of course, like when you read the book, you get more more background, more stuff, more information. Mm. Um, and definitely the idea of the relationship between a father and his daughter mm, mm-hmm. um, definitely um, was uh, fleshed out more, you know, in the sense of the power yeah, in that, in that dynamic. Um, and also what it's interesting that, that they did talk about is that um, 
every time he pushes someone to do something, right? Depending on like he can't really always control it, but if he does it like not if he's not very careful, mm-hmm. uh, he does it like quickly. Um, it 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 causes a, a side effect with the person. So the person yeah. does the action, but then it leaves like a residue in their brain behind, oh. like a like a, a a thought that gets repeated over over again in their head. Something oh, no. that something that you know they just can't get out. So it so they talk a little bit about that, like how you know this how his powers, uh, how his power that push power does have side effects. Um, to the people that he uses it on. Oh, that's so. interesting. Yeah, that would have been an interesting element to the to the films. So Eddie's going to have that perspective of the films of someone who's actually read the book, whereas Rolando and I, Rolando, I'm assuming you've not read it. I how dare you make that <laughs> assumption? It's correct, but how dare you? Well, I also did ask five minutes ago if anyone read it, and you were silent. So. <laughs> but I've not read it either. Uh, I have not read any Stephen King. Um, Eddie's no, I have not read any oh. Stephen King. Okay. Um, but again, you know, I'm more of a film person. That's my medium. So, uh, yeah, let's get into this. The first one came out in 1984, which was a pretty epic year for at least mainstream blockbuster movies. I mean, we've gone over it before, but just to refresh your memory, Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, mm. Gremlins, mm-hmm. The Karate Kid, Footloose. Uh, Splash, Romancing the Stone, all movies that were in the top 10 highest grossing. I mean... Am I making this up? Was Footloose remade with Zac Efron? Footloose was remade. I don't think Zac Efron was in it. Okay. Okay. You might be right. I have visions for some reason of Zac Efron as doing an impersonation Ken. of Pat- Patrick Swayze. Um, or Ren. I think his name is Ren. Ken or Ren. Anyway, I think... I don't know. I've never seen the remake of Footloose, but I feel like that Patrick would be Swayze something I would remember. In Footloose? No? What? It's Kevin yeah. Bacon. I think. Oh my God. I think. <laughs> Thank you so much for catching that, Eddie. Oh my God. <laughs> I was thinking of the other one Dirty Dancing? I was thinking of Dirty Dancing. <laughs> And then you must be thinking of a different Zach Efron. No, film. I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> Dirty Dancing didn't have a remake, it had a revival, and it was like Havana Nights. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I was thinking of a Footloose remake, but yeah, it wasn't Patrick Swayze. It was Kevin Bacon. My bad. <laughs> there was a there was a Footloose there was, remake. There was. There was. I just don't remember mm-hmm. who it was. All right. So moving on, Firestarter did come out in 1984. So actually, the the filmmaker uh, who made Firestarter, then very next year he made one of my favorite action movies, which is Commando, which I think is his biggest claim to fame. Is that this is the guy that made Commando, and Commando is such a great movie. Jean Claude uh, Van Damme, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh damn! I'm okay. As a retired commando who is forced to when they kidnap his daughter and the whole quest, he's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to find my daughter. And <laughs> he just kicks a bunch of ass. And this is like a movie that like also set up the whole like one liner thing, you know, like, like yeah, I'll uh, be back. Uh, well, because that was so successful in Terminator in 1984, they amped it up in commando the year after. Mm, and but, like, you know, was his daughter played by Lisa Milano? Yes. I yes. remember this movie. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good! And that whole opening of his life with her, them feeding deer and chopping yeah. down trees, and him carrying yeah. them on his arm, oh, is just so, so iconic already. Yeah. Oh, you got one, and it's only an hour and a half. You're in, you're out, and it's just a good time. Well, that's what I love about a good '80s movie. It's an hour and a half. You're in, you're out. This is maybe why, as of lately, I can't stand the cinema. Because you have no patience. 
I mean, yeah, like, you're asking me to sit in a theater. Like, do you know how hard it was for me to sit for three hours for the Batman? And I love Batman. But you can sit for four hours and binge television. I don't binge. I, I rarely will sit more than, like, two episodes. Oh. It's mm. very, very rare. Well, I don't think you should knock a whole art form just because you have zero attention span. Mm, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean. Well, maybe we should, we should just put that aside and actually talk about this these properties um so firestarter is actually stephen king's eighth maybe ninth book uh right between the dead zone and Roadwork. uh it came out in 1980 and like the books that he wrote before that were carrie salem's lot the shining the stand and obviously the dead zone so he was on a fucking roll mm-hmm. and I, I he was just starting to kind of make a presence in cinema which is why i'm sure everyone was like oh what's the next stephen king we're gonna do let's grab it we got our we got our hands on Firestarter. You know, Shining came out in 1980. Carrie, 1976. Uh, I think they did a Salem's Lot film in 1978. I think we might be covering that soon. Um, we keep saying that. I don't think that movie is ever coming out. I know, I right? It's supposed to be. Um, is that supposed to be a uh, television show, though? No. I know <laughs> the stand was, and we never covered that. But uh, I don't know. I think Salem's Lot will be a film. I see it on the coming soon on my app. So I feel like I've seen it in the coming soon for. Yeah. For a while, you know. How do we how do we set this story up, right? Because the the story is incredibly similar in the two, so we're gonna actually be driven more so by the story and the characters. And do do you want to give? I can give a summary of yeah. like the of the overall plotline. Okay, sure. Overall storyline is two adults partake in two college uh, students. College students, yeah, still adults. Uh, they partake in clinical trials to test out a new item and they end up developing psychic abilities, yeah. right? Then they run off together, fall in love, have a daughter, and the daughter now has abilities of her own, pyrokinesis. So uh, she can control things with her mind or like maybe listen with her mind and also can start fires at will. Uh, and, uh, you know, depending on which... What ends up happening is the organization that gave them their powers is hunting them down, specifically the the daughter, Charlie, Charlie, mm-hmm. because, Charlie. you know, they want, you know, they want to harness her powers for what they consider the greater good. And uh, her mom will die in the process of being hunted down and she will be Charlie goes on the run with Andy McGee, her father. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is basically an on the run story. Wow! You know? Yeah, you you did that really well. Thank you. Mm. I feel like this is the first time that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is essentially it. Now, of course, the two films will handle this very differently, and Eddie will be the one who would tell us which one's closer to the book, and which one also will be able to say which one just works better as a film. So the first one starts in the middle of everything, and then it tells yes. you the story via flashbacks, whereas the second one does not. It's more of a chronological tale. Eddie, right. how does, does, does is the book oh more chronological? God. I cannot recall that. Okay. I, I just want to say that I, f- I feel like it was it uh, that the book was very much like the first movie that it does start like in the middle of, of her and her father being on the run. Mm. I get that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I can believe that. I do not remember how the how the book started. But I because I did find the way the second movie started. Uh, strange. Yeah, I, I would just agree felt with like, that. This is gonna be slow. Yeah, it's which this is, is gonna be slow. crazy because the second <laughs> one is really short. 
It's shorter than the first one. It okay. Um, doesn't feel it. Doesn't feel it. Honestly, doesn't feel it. But it is significant. It's like a half hour shorter, right? Yeah. Uh, I think about twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty minutes. I would say. So that's a good chunk of change. That's a whole episode of a Netflix yeah. TV show. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is interesting because they always say if you really want to grab a viewer, you should always start from the middle, right? Like, okay, Goodfellas, one of the best films of all time, mm-hmm. begins yeah, with. Example. You know, there's a noise in the trunk, they pull it over, there's a dead body in it, and they kill it. And then it goes all the way back, right? So you're hooked the moment you see that. That's starting in the middle. I always, I do kind of agree with that, even though there are, like, other ways of starting from the beginning. Old Hollywood did that a lot, where it's like, how did we get there? And then they would fade and do almost like a narration. So many of these movies worked this way. So it was, I, yeah, And, like, new TV shows are doing that thing, where, like, we start off in, like, the ending of the season... And like, how do we get there? Yeah, yeah. It's like how we're finding out, and uh, little by little, I'm becoming less of a fan for that because I feel like it's a gimmick. It's now it's overdone. Which mm-hmm. part of me wants to applaud Firestarter for kind of not doing that, but they didn't really do it in a very. It didn't grab me, you know. Like your Agreed. openings have to kind of be strong. Now, having said that, I'm I'm not saying that the opening of 1984 was fucking brilliant by any means. But, you know, why are they on the run? What's going on? And then seeing their powers kind of like unfold while they're running for their lives was mm. more of an interesting way to begin the story than the 2022 version. So I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think my biggest qualm was like how they handled the flashbacks. But starting off in the action, like on the run was definitely much more interesting than than starting off with like, I think we started off with a dream sequence, right? Like. Zac Efron is having a dream that his child is catching fire or something. And it was supposed to it was supposed to be jarring, but the baby catching on fire was so silly and it was it looked like a straight up like a toy. Yeah, no, like that one shot of him like who and you see it, it was just like yeah, oh. and, I, yeah. and I was like, I remember I mean because <laughs> yeah, they couldn't find a stunt baby to really do it. <laughs> no, but like for films, like we're talking fire, I think is one of the more easily reproducible things on CGI. So that was just like that yeah. was just poor just, that was just poor filmmaking know. in no my opinion. No one wants to see a baby burn. Nobody. No. Nobody wants to no, see anything burn. Of course burn. no one wants to see a baby burn, but I'm just saying, but if baby you're gonna try to give guys. me that shock value just yeah. like commit yeah if that's if that's your opening that's gonna get us you know then yeah like it needs to be fucking horrifying and it was kind of silly especially because like i think they realized that it didn't work so they were like cut it after a second or two and yet that was enough for us to be like well that was kind of silly i rewinded it so i could laugh again <laughs> but it's also Again, I see the intention of the 2022 film. I see them trying to set up this relationship that he has with his daughter because the two relationships in these films are completely different. And again, don't know which one is in the book, but he's such an affectionate, loving father in the first one. And he's got some animosity almost in a way against himself that he's projecting onto his daughter uh, in the new one. And it's kind of like, I feel like they're trying to present a metaphor for people who are different and like you know shove like he literally in one scene says shove it down and ignore it I queerness think. you mean it could be queer it could be any form you know disability right any form of quote other um yeah. and like you know people who can't accept a child who is different in any way i really felt that the in just in the book that the first movie the re- that relationship was more portrayed oh that's what i'm more yeah. seeing like the sense of like the, that loving like a father daughter uh, father and, and it's more there got got more sense of that they were in survival mode yeah and 
than than anything and and her didn't want it in the sense of her not wanting to hurt people like i don't want to hurt people well yeah it makes it more devastating when they have the relationship that they have in the first one of you know what's happening to them and them with the possibility of them being torn apart i think that the performance by the father uh the actor i think his name is david keith let me just check that yeah david keith i thought he was actually the best part of the movie I don't know how wow. you guys felt. I loved his hair. Oh, I mean, yes. Hair. I actually, oh so I God. thought the strongest performance actually came from Drew Barrymore. Oh, interesting. Okay. I actually liked Drew Barrymore's performance. I thought, you know, she's a little child actor. Maybe because maybe it's just it's nostalgia because I know her as the grown woman that she is now. Yeah. Like, oh my no, God, let me tell Barrymore. you, she was giving me some real moments. Okay. But, I felt, I, I felt convinced. I felt convinced. All right. I felt like that there was, when she was in anguish, it was portrayed when she was like being a child and being trusting um, and wanting to believe that she had a friend in the janitor guy, you know, and <laughs> yeah. that moment of betrayal. So I, I felt all those, she was giving me all the spectrum of emotions and I was there for it. She was very good. I guess my thing was that the character that I felt like I could most sympathize with was the father and that feeling of, you know, needing to protect someone. I would agree. I think by the end, he, I would agree with you though. Like by the end, like he was my, I, I did like his performance because I think early in the film, specifically when he finds his, his, when he finds Heather Locklear dead, mm-hmm. I thought it was just like, that was a little bit not good acting on everyone's part. It was yes. badly directed. It was badly written. It was all over the place a little bit. And I thought, and that's early in the film. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to like this movie. However, uh, after, that was the last flashback, I think, and then we're like in the in the present narrative. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from there, like the movie kind of really, kind of found its footing. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And then that's also when I would agree with you. Like I think like him as like the character uh, and as the actor, he he really fleshed himself. Where as opposed to Zac Efron's performance, which I hate to say this, but like he kind of phoned it in. Well, I don't know if I hate to say it, but I would agree that he did kind of phone it in. I don't know if I believe him as a father of a child that age or as a father period i think he he exudes kind of like youngness he just doesn't see i just didn't buy him as a father i don't know well is Maybe that, a, is that a symptom because we so are we still thinking of him as like that child from uh what's that? Uh, high school musical it could be yeah. perhaps but, but i've seen him in other roles where he's done very good and i you know even like okay neighbors right mm-hmm. complete opposite but i was like oh i buy him in this well, yeah but he's like a douchey frat boy well, yeah, well, he sold me on that. I'm like, right. oh, I don't know if you're a douche in real life, but this douchey frat boy is working it for me. I suppose. Um, I don't buy I don't, him as a father. I, I think he's still young. To, he is, but like he's, he's what? He's 36, I think, in real life. And he at, at 36, he could have a daughter that age, and it's not implausible. You yeah, I, mean? I guess maybe it's the fact that he's he phoned it in, but I just one I didn't buy him as a father at all. So I want to say yeah, and when I say I do agree with you, I don't, I don't. I don't when I say he folded in, I don't. It's not just wholly on him. It was just a bad script he was handed. Do you know what okay, I mean? Okay, yeah. Like, maybe I think he knew. Some of the writing was just kind of doo doo here, and like, who, who who was the screenwriter of this of this new one? This of was the new one by Scott Scott Teams. Yes. Okay. I don't know who he is, but let me tell you, he the guy could not pick an emotion to like land on because like everyone. Just like uh, just like Charlie's temperature rises quickly, everyone everyone here 
there. I, I was trying to make a joke out of there, but I couldn't. But everyone, everyone, everyone's emotion changes on the flip of a dime with no motive whatsoever. Like they're angry, and then like seconds later, they're just like hugging and hugging it out. You know what I mean? And it's just like and they're. Uh, Zac Efron's wife is murdered in cold blood before their very eyes and next thing you know like he's just trying to teach her how to use her powers he's like yo like this little girl should be grieving he should be grieving yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. and uh, when they go meet up with Irv for example is another hot mess of a sequence because just like uh, one minute Irv is mad at them for some reason and drunk next minute he's agreed to help them it's just like yo like like I get it we're like on a timeline here but well, oh my yeah. God. Well, okay. So I guess my I threw, major quality. I threw a lot at you. <laughs> you. You did. Maybe Scott Teams should have been fired. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Sorry. I'm going to do my Austin Powers uh, lame jokes thing. Uh, so I I definitely think that the, the overall where he stood, right? Because he wanted Charlie to kind of be normal to say the mm-hmm. least, and to not recognize yourself. But then he was forced to after his wife was killed by Rainbird. And then you never really kind of see that kind of the closure of that and him being more accepting. Like, I feel like we missed a bunch of beats and it's just like, he just kind of, he's like, well, this, I got to protect my daughter. But then that's it. You know, we never really see the sequence of him like accepting her or being like, I was wrong or just, or anything like that. You know, like he just, don't kill cats. And... And I don't even know, like, I can't remember the sequences. I just feel like there weren't any beats for me to also believe his arc as a character. Well, because I think, and we're, get, we're jumping ahead, guys, and we're sorry. This well, could be just, just focusing on sick. his character right now. Yeah, but. yeah. But I think the whole point of, uh, of Andy McGee's storyline is not just to protect his daughter, but he, in both these versions, he, both fathers are trying to help their daughter navigate what it means to be this powerful, right? They're both handling it very differently, right? Yeah. Where I think uh, uh, father number one, uh, he's really trying to nurture her, right? And he's just showing her love and compassion and like, as opposed to Zac Efron's character who's really just kind of being like, you know, I don't know, like kind of a, I don't want to say he's being a dick because like I think he's handling it like I think any normal person would, but, you know, which is just like out of mind, out of sight. But... The thing is, like, I think he's supposed to also come to terms with, like, her power, right? And at the end, like, we don't get that, we don't get that, that, that struggle that he has, which is just, like, to use his power or not to use his power, right? He's teaching her not to. And then, like, I don't know, he's constantly teaching his daughter, don't use your powers. But there's no come to Jesus moment where he realizes, like, we need these powers to survive until the very end, at least, on his part. Where at the, at the other one, in the other, in the in the 1984 version, he, she, it's her who, it's it's Charlie who makes a decision. I don't want to use my powers anymore. And what does he do? He's just like, I understand. That is a lot. I mean, that is a lot for you, girl, to like deal with. And if you don't want to, that is your call, and we'll figure it out together. Yeah, you know, the first father's just overall way more nurturing. Yeah, and I think that's just something where I was like, this isn't a father and daughter story at all in the 2022 one. Um, so Rolando did mention that they, they had an experiment happen when they were college kids. That was called Lot 6. And both films handle this a little differently. We see this whole flashback sequence of like all of the people who are undergoing Lot 6 treatments. <coughs> I think which is like a hallucinogen of some sorts. 
and we see Andy and Vicky meet and fall in love, sort of. Again, well, that was, Vicky. Uh, that so, was a fast one. <laughs> yeah, that was a fast one. Played by Heather Locklear, nonetheless, which I was like, oh shit, she's in here. She's um, so good. And in the new one, they kind of do that as exposition over the credits. Yes. What did you like, think about that? No, it, it was because uh, then you have to rely on the exposition dump with Dr. Wandless, uh later on. Yes. So I, 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 I'm not saying I was a fan of the flashback, but the flashback gave me context as to what's happening. Yeah, you understood it a little bit more. Like I understood yeah. what was happening in the 2022 one because I saw the 1984 one before. But it was also kind of like a bit much. And even though I was like, okay, I appreciate the aesthetic of everything and what it's doing. It just, yeah, I would agree that it didn't work for me. <clears throat> and also, we didn't really... I mean, it's not that freaking big. The first movie just gave us one scene. But it's like, let us know what's happening with Andy and Vicky, that they're in love. Yeah. And like, let us understand what happened to them and what created Charlie. Because you see what, ha- what happens to all the other people. Like, this is some intense shit. And then they have that like telekinetic moment where they, you know, they, they talk with their minds and whatnot. Like, we need to understand what's at risk here. We need to understand right. what the stakes are. And you don't really feel that too much in the 2022 one. Yeah, you don't. And, and I mean, the 2022... So the 2022 one tries to deal... You, they're trying to paint this image of, like... Uh, I don't know, like this, like... Because well, I don't think it has the same heaviness, too, of what it would have been in the 80s. Because you have to think about Cold War, right? Mm-hmm. And we all know conspiracy theories and rumors of what... The government, either the Russian government or the Americans, were trying to have like superhumans. Yeah. Working with this whole idea of people with ESP, um, uh, trying to see if they could develop uh, psychic abilities in people to use them as some kind of super um, super soldiers. You know, <laughs> no, yeah. Robocop is different, but, <laughs> but use them as like these. Um, or spies or something like think about it. If you have like a, a person who can like um, see the future or can his mind or her mind can like see from miles and miles away an enemy's plan, you know, like this is something that uh, people believed possibly that governments were investing in. And yeah. then you have this experiment on college kids, you know, and you have one of those kids. He was like already conspiracy guy. Is this part of the shop? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. what's the shop? Yeah, what's yeah. that? You know, so it, it's it's kind of th- that you th- that scene made me think about like all those stories that I've read. You know, with dealing with people with ESP, yeah, like, and MK psychic Ultra. abilities and stuff like that. Okay, Ultra. Yeah. Uh, so, but now we're in 2022, and it's a little different now because we've been saturated with the superhero genre. Yeah, and people with powers, and how people get powers, and all this stuff <laughs> has already been in our minds. So this little thing about oh some college experiment, mm, I'm not very impressed. But 1984, when I was a little kid, and that guy gouged his eyes out, or his eyes were gouged out, yeah, uh, yeah that left an impression on me. But well, also you know, good point, Eddie, because in the 1980s they were more so coming from like this whole like the government is not on your side viewpoint where in the 2022 one they kind of did but it was also there's they spent a lot of scenes and trying to like resonate the message of like charlie is different and other like the whole kid bully sequence that took up like the first 20 minutes of the film 
Right. Where, that was like know, your first like act. Like being antagonized. Yeah. Like her relationship at school and like, oh, she doesn't have Wi Fi. And I don't know what else, why they made fun of her. She's like a beautiful little girl. Like, what's uh-huh. their fucking problem? <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand why they were hating on her. But, um, that kid yeah. was so mean and nothing happened to him. I know. Like, why set that up? <laughs> like, she gets the thought, cops like, called on her? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I thought, I thought he was going to get, like, burnt to a crisp by the end of this film, and that did not happen. I'm just, yeah, like, right? I, missed opportunity. Was he? I was waiting for him on the beach at the end. I was like, is he there? Is Something. he going to finally yeah. get his comeuppance? Yeah. I um, agree. But yeah, and, like, to Eddie's point, you know, it's we are kind of also like, uh, we've seen it so many times, secret government or whatever. Like, in what new way can you present us with? And the new way of the shop, right? The shop is the secret agency that is trying to harness uh, Charlie's powers and and even Andy's to an extent, which, by the way, Andy's power is called the push where um, he can make people do what he wants. But he does by persuasion, you know, like look them in the eyes. It's his eyes that he does this. But then it gives him in the first film terrible migraines and nosebleeds. In the second film, his eyes bleed. Yeah, that's right. His eyes bled. I forgot. Yeah, about they that. changed it, which was, and they didn't give him migraines, which to me makes so much fucking sense. Of course, it's gonna kill his head to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's... And also the way that David Keith does it, where he puts his heads and then yeah, he just yeah. like puts <laughs> everything like, yes. back. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so I mean, good. That's so dramatic, but so it's almost dramatic. so funny to think that I can like, <laughs> like when he started doing this, and some guy was like, "No, you don't," and brings his hands down. Yeah, you know, like that's how I turn off your power by putting your hands down. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so true, and it's so because he has this like incredible like hair, you know, wavy hair, and so he like puts his like all his fingers in his hair, and he like, Ugh. yeah, loved it. Yeah. I, I, loved I loved it too. Yeah, it was that's gonna be my Halloween costume. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the overall messaging of the 2022 one was like almost trying to find like home. And, and acceptance and we're jumping ahead and we can visit this later but I do just want to say you know that kind of also was like valid uh no what's that word clarified for me by the way that they made the end of the film oh, which was also kind me, of wait, like what do you mean so who's the only other person in the film that is quote other different it's Rainbird Outside, Rainbird right yeah. Well, in the new one. In the new one, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, we'll talk about it, it, the 1984 one in a second. Um, but Rainbird is kind of like, you know, he's forced to be this kind of hitman for the shop and whatnot. And mm-hmm. he's very good at his job and he's very diligent. But he, at, towards the end, kind of feels some sort of uh, uh, sadness towards what he did or guilt or whatever. He just doesn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so after Charlie just blows up the shop, you know, and he rescues her from almost being killed in the midst of that. They find each other on the beach and he picks her up and he walks her away to whatever fate awakens her. Now, I know that there's some relationship between Rainbird and um, he picks her up. Charlie, though, right? Does he pick her up or they he walk picks together? her up. He picks her up. Yeah. He like carries her and becomes her surrogate father. Um, and I know there's some in the original film, probably in the book. She's but weird. he is solely responsible for killing the mother in the new one. So just the clarity is this interesting thing. Uh, uh, in the book, yeah, he's total bad guy, total bad guy. There is no, uh, he doesn't have any powers that I'm aware. I don't remember having him having any powers. Um, his thing is in the book is that he wants to know. He wants to have proof that there is kind of like uh, an afterlife. 
So when he kills, so his thing is he's an, he, he assassins people. He usually assassins them not by chopping them in the you know in the forehead on the bridge mm. of their nose. Mm-hmm. He strangles them. And as he strangled them, as he's strangling them, he looks deep into their eyes uh, to see if there is any like that moment of when they die, but they're seeing the afterlife. He's trying to capture that, right? So he's always disappointed that he can't capture that. But his thing is, maybe I could see that in a child's eyes. That's why he wants Charlie. The book, that's why he wants Charlie, because he's like, when the time is ready and I have her trust, I'm going to strangle her. And I'm going to see if I can see the afterlife reflected in her eyes. Wow. Look at that. That is well. That's not at all how the twenty twenty two one goes. <laughs> no, for sure. But even 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 the eighties one too is kind of weird because he's yeah. like, I'm gonna chop her head, and then I'm gonna look deep in her eyes and see. And it's just like, dude, that's weird. It's yeah. like it's just like so weird. <laughs> it is so weird. So just to finish my thought on the twenty twenty two one because we do got to talk about Rainbird, is them finding each other on the beach and them kind of like now forming this new relationship together. To me, the reason why I think that that clarified this whole message of like being, you know, like a, an outsider needing a found family was the way that they ended it. Because I was like, why? Because he's different. He's also like the misunderstood one in his life. Why would they connect? He killed your mom. Yeah. He's a exactly. fucking monster. Like that didn't make any. It's kind of like in West Side Story where it's like, but he killed Bernardo. Why are you sleeping with him? Yes. Like sometimes movies just do things where I'm like, <laughs> did we not forget what happened? Like literally 25 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and Rainbird we have to bring up was played by George C. Scott in the 1984. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of loved him playing it like a retired army general. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, tell me, Rolando. I mean, yeah, he was supposed to be playing a Native American, and yeah. it's just like it's so. It's like in retrospect, it's so fucking offensive. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, mean? yeah. I mean, do I actually? Is it less offensive that he didn't even try? Um, mm. he, the effort was so minimal that it just, it kind of, do, did he ever say he was Native American? No, but he, he had the, you know, I mean, he if you read the book, he, you knew his name was Rainbird and he had a ponytail. He had a ponytail and I think he, at times he wore like tribal pattern, like sweaters. Yeah. At times. I guess, so yeah. it wasn't ever explicitly said. I looked it up and I'm just like, oh, he's supposed to be Native American. Because, again, Rainbow was also Native American in the new one. Mm-hmm. He was also played by a Native American, though. Mm-hmm. Indigenous American. Uh, sorry, if, you know, terminology here. But uh, he... Uh, so I kind of assumed it's just like I guess Rainbird is supposed to be played by like an indigenous person. They just chose to not do that. They just chose white, and it was, it's. I thought it was hilarious. Like it was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so funny. I mean, yeah, you know, I when I watch old movies, I'm like, this is a different time period. You know, like it is what it is. And I also just kind of like was laughing it off because again, he doesn't even try. He's just George C. Scott. Once again, like this is also later in his career where he's done. He played Patton. He did Dr. Strangelove and all these other roles. And he works playing an army general. So he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do what I do best. Yeah. What? What is it with like white people always wanting to play a Native American? Right. It's like an acting challenge. Yeah. It's like. I mean, I'm I'm thinking to like Walker Texas Ranger because that character had like this obsession with like Native American tribes. Oh, I never like, watched almost that. Almost borderline fetish. Yeah, 
Uh, or appreciation. Just maybe appreciation. Just a love. I suppose, but there's appreciation and then there's appropriation. Well, well you don't know. Do you <laughs> so, do you watch Walker, Texas Ranger? Have I, you seen it? Uh, yeah. Not the new one. I'm talking about the original. Okay. I used to watch that one regularly, sadly. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Uh, Vicky, what do we think about the way the movies handled Vicky? Who the hell's Vicky? The mother. The mother. Oh, what a, I mean, Heather Locklear had like three scenes. I yeah. That <laughs> uh, even. I mean, we can't even count when he finds it because she's dead. So, so I think they handled that well because it, it's like, so. In which one? You, the new one? And in, in, no, in the old one, right? In mm-hmm. the sense of like, she's just a flashback, right? Because when we, when the present time, it's been a year since her death. In the 1980, what? It's been a year since her mom died. So it makes sense that she's still struggling with her mom, but she's not emotionally crippled by the actual event being recent. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's not how it is. <laughs> in the 2022 one, it's like. Uh, your mom just died. Shouldn't you be like not? Yeah, like yeah. shouldn't you yeah. just be not doing things right now? Like they, yeah, like, <laughs> shouldn't you they be inconsolable? The right... They were very, yeah, yeah they were very laissez-faire about yeah, the whole seriously. ordeal. Oh well, mom died. We got to go on the run. Like, we got to go on the run. We're gonna burn cats. <laughs> Uh, and I, did, I can't. Did you, I can't about that scene. I, I was trying to hold that. I was trying to hold that for later. But did <laughs> did you guys catch when she said like the whole when she ends ends up burning her mom's hands when she says she she says to her father that wasn't for that was meant for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I caught mm-hmm. that. And she I, wasn't I, aiming. She wasn't aiming for my mom. And anyway, we do not like deal with burns like that. <laughs> <laughs> take it yeah. to the hospital that yeah, was just seriously. like how are we not like those burns were serious or, serious they were just horrible i know they were like on the run but like go to urgent care though. go yeah. just go just go <laughs> just like i just like i i was just every 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 time i saw her all i could think of is what pain she was in it was yeah. so uncomfortable to watch her <laughs> It was, yeah. And, you know, to your point, back to the whole relationship in the new, the 2022 film with the father and the daughter, it was meant for you. Okay, so when then did she actually start to not resent her father because of the way he treated her? Agreed. This is, I mean, that was, that would have been a much more interesting movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if it's not, if it's a very, very terse relationship and they're on the run together very begrudgingly, that would have made a much more interesting dynamic. But... Uh, the writing didn't allow for anything. The writing just like, all right, you go here. Now go here. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, absolutely. and, and that, that was the problem. But like, I, yeah, I would have much rather prefer, uh, prefer, pref- preferred a film where if, she, if the girl is dealing with the guilt of not only burning her mom, but now she died soon after. And you could like correlate this as a result of her actions that she is dead because she stayed behind because mm. of the burn that she caused. Now you have this girl who's suffering with all this guilt. And not only that, but Loki hates her dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like now you're giving now you're giving this character depth, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would have made for a much more interesting movie. But instead they they don't do anything with it. They they just kind of just say like, alright, we have a cat that you're gonna burn. <laughs> yeah, we keep going back to the cat thing, man. I keep going oh back to my the cat. God. All I can think of is Unicorn at the I, moment. Yeah, it's just so like I think I paused. I was it not okay. Like, oh, Nicole's gonna like be so fucking mad. Oh my god! I was. I was not okay. So if you if you're on Letterbox, come and find me because I made a list 
uh, where, and I called the list, and I shared this with Rolando. I don't know if uh, you saw this, Eddie. But it's Bloomhouse adaptations of a Stephen King novel with a young girl and a cat, and the cat dies a terrible death. And it's Firestarter and Pet Cemetery because this is the second Bloomhouse film that fucking did this. Do you guys remember in Pet Cemetery? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the way, like, why do they treat cats so terribly? Because they have nine mm-hmm. lives. Uh, uh, Not you, when you they miss, get burned. You you <laughs> miss another Stephen King. But this was a short story that they made into a movie Cat's by Bloomhouse. No, not by Boomhouse. Okay, no. that, that's no, the no. one. That's okay. the one thread. But <laughs> not yeah. yet. Yeah. They just okay. actually did. They just announced it, guys. They just announced. It. Wait, what's imagine? The other one? No, I was like, oh, oh Boomhouse yeah. <laughs> is doing Cat's Eye. I Cat's uh, Eye. The cat trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they. She burns a cat in the new one for no reason other than her father saying, "You have to learn to control it." And I just don't. I just I hated it. I hated every second of it. It wasn't a good scene. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't. It, it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't even. Shocking! She should have burned the bully, <laughs> then yes, really learned her right. lesson. I, yeah. Like it should have been like there you go. That's a perfect chance for you to introduce that bully that you that as character uh, as an audience we're already like not caring for. Yep. But at the same time, feel that real life human consequence. How horrifying it is, and that's why they have to leave. And then the strained relationship become, between the father and the daughter is so present. And, and they have worse, to work yeah. past that when they're yeah. together after losing the mom. See, Scott teams. Oh yeah, I know. Like missed opportunities. Here. I hope he's listening to this episode <laughs> and he's like taking notes and just. I'm sure you're a wonderful writer and had a lot of people breathing down your neck about what to do. But you know, this definitely could have uh, helped your film. So we're gonna yeah. leave Charlie, Eddie. Sorry. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. I <laughs> I just felt that there were certain things that were just kind of like. But this is my personal thing, maybe. Obviously, it is my personal thing. Uh, I just didn't think that it was always necessary. Like the cat thing. Right? Mm, mm-hmm, so then mm-hmm. it's it's the cat and then the cat's suffering. So it's not the cat was ki- like burnt yes. and that was it. They had it a sound effect like, playing of the cat. It, it's just like the lesson. <laughs> the lesson. That lesson that had to be learned at that moment. Like you need to finish it because you need to put it out, out of their misery. Like you did this. So you're responsible for it. You can't let it suffer you to put in misery. And then this lesson gets brought back when she's in the car and the agent comes in after talking to his, I think his pregnant wife. He sits down and then that happens, you know, and then the lesson there. I'm just like, yeah, I yeah. have to put you out of misery. <laughs> misery. Yeah. But these are the agents, mind you, who as an audience member is just like, yeah, but like, do I care if they're suffering? Like, Yeah. And he's going to kill you, know you, you know, like, right. Like he's him. he's a bad guy, so it's just like I don't know. This movie uh, wonky all over the place. We haven't even talked about the agent. Two different performances: Martin Sheen and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's what I was going to do next, actually, because oh, okay, we should go. probably leave Charlie for last. But you know, depictions of the shop between the first film and the second film. Uh, in the first film, Martin Sheen plays what's his character's name? Um, Hollister. Hollister, and I don't even know what the woman's name was in the second film. She was also Hollister. Uh, she's was played she? by Sydney Lemon. Yeah. Wow. Look wait, at was, oh, wait, hang no. on. No, I'm sorry. Gloria Sydney Rubin. Hall, uh, that's Vicky. Yes. Okay. Gloria Rubin, who is... Eddie, you said she's from Grey's Anatomy? No, no, oh, from ER. ER. From ER. She's a great actress. Okay. So, yeah. So, we got Martin Sheen in the first one, Gloria Rubin in the second one. Um, obviously, we spend a lot more time at the shop in the first one. Mm-hmm. And Which, I love the aesthetics of the... Of the original one, like a plantation that's turned into like a science development. It felt very Resident Evil. Oh, okay. 
I yeah. actually, I prefer, it, it felt like it had a theme to it. I don't know what. Yeah. Like, you know, like, uh, I think the South is notorious for doing horrible experiments on others. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, I think, I don't the, know if that was intentional here in like, in like set design, but that's what I thought of. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about that, but now that you say that, yeah, I see that. Um, I, so you don't spend as much time in the second one. That's that's one thing. And you don't really get to know the doctor who performed the lot six ones in the second one. Like you you get to know the doctor a little bit more. And like he's the one who's like warning people like don't fucking play with this shit. Like this is some mm-hmm. real ass shit. You don't really have that. You just have the doctor appearing in that one scene. And you're supposed to even pick up on it. Like, oh, that's the doctor that conducted the lot six uh, experiments that we saw briefly in the credits. You know, like yeah, that was the... Not it well was the connected. info dump. Yeah, info dump. Um, Played by know. Kurtwood Smith, who I thought was dead. Uh, Eddie had to correct me. He's very much alive. Mm. I thought he had passed away. I don't know. Wow. Be, you know how you get those fake like Facebook stories, I guess? Yeah. There's a lot of them. I guess in the first one, you know, the evil government was way more at play. And like, you know, guys in suits telling you lies and stuff. Whereas in the new one, not so much. Well, um, I think Dr. Wanless in the 1984 version, he doesn't play necessarily a bad guy. He realized, like, this was a mistake. We had to live with this, but, like, we had to correct this mistake, and that is to terminate her, right? That is his whole ordeal, that he thinks that she is a bigger threat because of the mistakes that they have made. Like, he he, he accepts, he ex- accepts the responsibility that, yes, it was his mistake, but, like, it's a mistake nonetheless. And... Therefore, uh, Hollister sees this as an opportunity to exploit, as Eddie pointed out, we're during the Cold War. Makes sense, right? Um, in the new in the new iteration, Dr. Ho- uh, no, I'm sorry, Hollister, Jane Hollister, she visits Dr. Wanless to reactivate him, and he doesn't want to be part of it because, like, again, same thing. He believes, it's just like, no, like, she's going to cause nothing but trouble. Uh, yeah. I don't, does she, is, it, does he die? Was that the implication that she's going to kill him? I felt like the implication was there. Oh, yeah, I didn't catch that. that she's going to terminate him anyway. Uh, Perhaps, yeah. Well, she was definitely more so just evil and was like, I just want to use you for my own reasons. Let me tell you, Gloria Rubin here as Jane Hollister is the only one who gave a damn about her performance. She went straight up over the top, but she she gave, all right? She tried her damnedest with this script. She, she was just like, you know what? This is a paycheck, and I'm going to earn this money, all right? Yeah. Because everybody else was fucking giving 10% of their energy for this movie. Yeah. And well, she was the only one who put in a solid 90%. Bloomhouse has not been cracking out, like, critical darlings for a while now, I would say. Uh, so, yeah, they were like, oh, Bloomhouse, okay. I just didn't feel like she necessarily had to be so, like, seductress about some of these things. Like, there were some scenes that I felt like she was trying to be sexy, you know, like commenting about really? her dress or something. Yeah, when Dr. Wallace was yeah. just like, I think he's just like, oh, the commissioner retired. Uh, oh, wait, you could put a commissioner in a dress. It doesn't matter. She's just, or I don't know. She That's what she points out. I was like, he would never look as good as me in this dress. Yes. Wow. Like that. Oh, well, yeah. I guess maybe. <laughs> I didn't, maybe I was in the bathroom, but I don't really remember that scene. With Doctor um, Wong, with, with her with like saying that. Scene? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, with the dress comment. Well, I mean, hey, you know, you guys don't wear dresses, but let me tell you, I've worn a dress before, and like you always have to comment, like, "Hey, I look great in this." 
<laughs> like I think it's just the whole thing of like being like, hey, I'm fucking beautiful and stellar in this dress. So I, I kind of love that little throwing out there. I feel like also, I would look good in a dress. You, as long you, as I you have would. Heels. You should wear one one time. Nah. But um, I wear a muumu. Okay, you should wear that beach, at some I time. Wear a yeah, but Don't I think face. it's also just like a different type of energy in the film <laughs> that. Uh, I don't know. It was some comedy in a weird way, like some dark comedy that she gave, or yeah. at least like a different, uh, just a different kind of energy. She did have a different. I actually appreciated her energy because, like, mm. it's the only thing that I felt like. Okay, I enjoyed watching her. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I enjoyed watching her performance again, possibly due to the fact that, like, it felt genuinely like she was the only one who was giving a shit. Yeah, of her performance. You know what I mean? Like, she. I feel like. She read the script. She's like, "This is a career ender." But you know what? I'm I'm gonna work. So I felt <laughs> I I almost felt like this was the like as as we move towards the ending because the shop is like the ending, right? In, yeah. In the yeah. In the later film, I almost felt it like it was a video game. It gave me the sense that the place was um, desolate. Yes, it was empty. Yeah. The right? new one. I really, I, the new one. It really felt like, like over on the whole movie, right? I felt like, I just feel like they weren't. It felt like not a lot of people, mm. right? Just didn't mm-hmm. like because you see the first one. It, it it just you had a lot of movement. You had a lot of people around. You had a lot of things. So happening. many corpses. Yeah, and but the 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 the, the second one didn't. And then and then it was like it was almost for for the ending. Uh, for for the new one, Charlie was just like, okay, you have like you have like the goons come, and then she eliminates, and then you have another set of goons come, eliminates, and then random goon eliminate. You know, yeah. so it it almost had that. And but I was, was um, very structured. Yeah, I, but I was totally um, turned off by the fact that her father had to put her in a position that he had to be killed by her. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, did he like, also completely was... devoid her of any emotion by doing that? Yeah, and and then then you you uh, are, we, are we talking about Charlie yet? Uh, let's talk about I Charlie. Now it's a good time to talk okay, about Charlie. At this point too, um, there is um, for the Charlie in the twenty twenty two one, there is this sense of like she is enjoying. There's a sense of darkness that has risen in her, and she's enjoying this. Mm-hmm. You know. There is like an enjoyment. You you uh and um the eighties one you didn't have that sense. You you, you did have uh Char- that's Charlie struggling with that. The Drew Barrymore character struggling, feeling guilt mm-hmm. on the people that she hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that, and I also got the sense too. And I'm trying to remember this was in the book, but it almost seems like the power itself was almost a separate entity. Like it it was some of kind of like an entity that she brought out and then the idea was that she had to send it away too when she says it back off back off mm. you know um and it has to be kind of it ha- it's 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 um power or um source has to be quenched right that's what she puts it in the water yeah yeah you know to just like to just like eliminate there she says and then when she told um watching it again i was picking these things up when she told um rainbird he said um he's made this comment oh do you bring it back in and she says no because then i would burn up myself yeah i think i I would burn up myself so it's this thing of like something that comes forth from her 
does this damage and then she needs to bring it down. Hmm. Okay? And then that's the, how it is. In the book, well, it's funny because I just remember like there was a, a reason why there was a lake next to the shop. No, well, she ends up when she does what she does um, in the it. book, when she, she does what, when she when she eliminates the shop and she burns everything down, it's the whatever this is. Her power is so like <laughs> it's so it's so strong that she has to put it in the lake, mm. and I think she evaporates half the lake. I think or maybe this is just my imagination, but she ends up like evaporating half the lake <laughs> to put to bring it down. But it's like this concept of this thing being almost separate from her and Rolando made a comment is like doesn't she get tired like her dad like when he uses right. power no I said the, it seems the more she uses it the stronger she gets the, the, the stronger yeah. she gets the yeah. stronger it gets yeah if only yeah. working out were like that you know like <laughs> <laughs> like the longer Seriously. I'm on that treadmill the faster I'll lose weight oh, uh, regarding performances because that's all a knowledge about the character which is helpful, but regarding the performances, I do agree with you, Nicole. I think we're supposed to get the sense that, like, or I guess Eddie, you're the one who said this. We're supposed to get the sense that the new Charlie is enjoying the chaos that she's causing at the end because, like, you know, she just saw her father burn up uh, with Hollister. But it wasn't even, again, you know how Charlie makes decisions in the 1984 version? Mm-hmm. Charlie is never given the opportunity to make decisions for herself really because her father uses her his powers on her to activate the fire starting and burn himself you know what i mean yeah so yeah. it's again this poor girl just never had a say yeah. in like in her 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 life uh but you know to Eddie's point also here, though, like the ending felt like so kind of like, all right, these bad guys come in. Now they want to just burn up. But the burning was so bad. Like they were just mannequins. <laughs> you know what I mean? The way they would light up. There was no movement. At least in the 1984 version. There was commitment. There that. was. Yeah. Like these were people in those costumes, like uh, on those fire. Suits, those guys running suits. around. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. And 100%. it looks so much better for it. Yes. Like, I, explain to me why the carnage in the 1984 film just viscerally feels so much more gratifying to watch yeah. than the 2022. It's VFX, man. VFX has made people easy. Oh, we'll do it in post. We'll do it in post. You had to do it there on set in 1984. Yeah. And it just makes for overall better filmmaking when it feels more. And it was just it was just way more enjoyable to watch. Like I think that sequence in the 1984 one, it's so gratuitous and over the top. Yeah. But like I'm watching it, I'm just like, oh, this is. I mean, we're seeing helicopters explode. We're seeing a plantation explode. It's just fireballs literally coming out of her. Yeah. It, it <laughs> yeah. was great. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. No, it was really exciting. And I, like the the CGI that was just used, like the effect of uh, the actual fire starting on the 2022 version was so silly. Like, it was, like you yeah. see a literal ring of fire on screen. Yeah. Yeah, it and was. Yeah. It, it was like, what is this? What am I watching? What this absolute garbage? Sorry. In terms of at least the portrayals of Charlie, but I think this is more so the script than the actors, is that she was pretty emotionless in the second in this new one. Um, yeah. We don't really see her mourn her parents, and yeah, like Eddie <laughs> said, she's, at the beach for like a second. Yeah, she's just like looking down, like almost like she almost becomes like this empty person who's just capable of being like a quote badass. Mm-hmm. But Charlie in 1984 has all of these emotions. 
you know, sadness, guilt, uh, mourning, you know, hesitation, all of these things come to play. And I think she's a little younger. Drew Barrymore was a little younger than the actress uh, Ryan yeah. Kira Armstrong is. I think so um, too. But like, yeah, like this is also a little girl. Like Ryan Kira Armstrong seems like she's a teenager. Mm-hmm. So she's not as like, oh my God, this like this poor young thing. What is she dealing with, you know? And like the whole thing of like, this is a little girl. Like we're dealing with a little girl. Uh, feels more so like, yeah, you want to protect her in the first one. Mm-hmm. So again, the two. I don't know how old she is supposed to be in the books and stuff, and I don't know how they portray her in the book. But I think that overall, having her be someone who feels something about what she does, it just didn't. It, she felt really emotionless in the new one. Having said that, though, I think she did an okay job. She was one of the youngest people in in the film, and she was better than Zac Efron. Let's say that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean overall. Yeah, yeah. My favorite thing about the new one was the music, which is by John Carpenter and Cody Carpenter and I think someone else, Daniel Davis. And John Carpenter is a filmmaker, as you know. Um, he did Halloween and The Thing uh-huh. and uh, Escape from New York. And he's one of, to me, the best American filmmakers. And he scored his own movies. Right. And even though he's not a filmmaker anymore, he still scores movies. And so he did the score for this one. And it was very 80s. By the way, the opening song for the 1984 Firestarter is just not good. <laughs> I don't remember it. But it's, I don't remember the music now for either of the two. Yeah, the music overall I thought was better in the new one. Um, okay. But yeah. Also, like, uh, I don't know. Like, the mood that the film was setting me up for in the 1984 one, I'm like, this is all off. I just For oh, me, it didn't work. I agree with you on that. Yes. You that, remember that now, for sure. Right? There was like a there was a juxtaposition there that I yeah. wasn't feeling. It felt very eighties. Yeah, almost like guys. Do you know what kind of move? Like, do you know what kind of movie this is? What are you doing? Um, all right. So the big question: Was this needed? Was this okay. remake of Firestarter needed? Since Eddie read it last, uh, since Eddie actually read it, we should let him answer last. So I'll okay. start off mm-hmm. with absolutely not. Like Firestarter was not needed, and the fact that. Uh, the director of this film is threatening us with a franchise yeah. is so scary because it's like, what What are we franchising here? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it a franchise? I don't need to see a prequel. I don't need to see Zac Efron emotionless uh, getting injected with the, with the serum. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, I don't need to see this little girl walking off with a rainbird because I kind of didn't care Did for rainbird. Did not need that. Yeah, no, I didn't care for him either. No real development and no, like, why is he picking up her on the beach? What is he doing? Is he going to go kill her? You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To me, it was also not needed. Uh, I don't need cats burning in any fucking way, shape, or form. And if you're going to remake a film, you have to provide something new to what is already there, right? That's what a good remake does, where it's like, okay, well, we're looking at it from a different era with a different perspective. This is our source material, and this is how we're going to handle it. And I think I see that there was something in mind and a direction to go into, but I think they were almost too ambitious that they didn't focus on the core of their story. So no, they this was not needed. This was not wow. well done. You thought they were ambitious when they were making this? I kind of I think, like yeah, with, just... with where they were trying to go with it, at least mm. story-wise, but it didn't. Let me tell you this, all right? The 1984 Firestarter is an absolutely fine movie, Mm -hmm. right? It's fine. It is. It it could be good. 
but it's absolutely fine. However, when compared to the 2022 one, it is a masterpiece <laughs> in filmmaking. Okay, because oh my god, I don't think I've ever been madder watching something I didn't pay extra for. You know, I saw this on on Peacock streaming. Right, thank God I didn't go to the movies for this because I would have, I probably would have tweeted for a refund. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see this in the movies either, and I don't think it did very well. Um, it had it a not. twelve million dollar budget, opening weekend six point two. Um, maybe in its second and third week, it might recuperate some of that. But no, that's what I was expected. It made one point. Oh, how much did it bring in? Six point two million so far. It went on to debut three point eight million, finishing fourth at the box office. Yeah, its opening weekend. So the box office isn't necessarily back, but you know, a movie like Doctor Strange will do very well. Some other movies won't, but I think even in terms of like other movies that aren't the big ones, this didn't do as well as it could have. But Mm-mm. no, no. Uh, Eddie, did you think this was needed? What, what are your no, thoughts? No, not <laughs> at all. Say, no. I mean, I was excited for the idea of this movie. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think it was. Um, no, I don't think it was needed. I mean, they, we did have a sequel um, from the original Firestarter yes. uh, called The Rekindling. I think it was Re- called uh, Firestarter Rekindled. It Rekindled. was a miniseries. Yeah. So that was, I think, it was on Sci-Fi. It was nice. So um, I wasn't interested because it's. Like once again, it's like no. Um, I just wanted to leave that fire starter story just where it was. Just yeah, fire stopper. Yeah, yeah. Just wanted to (laughs) stop it right there. Stop it right there. Um, Yeah, not. I I don't think it was needed. I. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not everything needs a remake, Hollywood. Like, come on. Yeah. Or to be franchised. Yeah, Yeah. Seriously, like. I can't believe that they're already like, oh, we're thinking this could be a three movie deal. Like, what? It's like absolutely cannot be and die. Yeah, die, die in a die a horrific death. In because a I feel like, what are they gonna make her like a horror? Is this it? Because it's it's funny because it's like the horror. I feel like in the first movie, the horror is what's happening to these two people. Yeah, father and son, uh, father and daughter. What's happening to them? That's you know the circumstances. Um, what people are doing to them, the these powers that they have, and and the the burden of them and the curse of them. The other one seemed like she became this this thing of like darkness. Yeah. Like oh, I, all this has been done. Like the final seed has been planted by her father. Yeah. The day that she he said burn me, you know, and fires and burn everything, and so she's going to burn the world down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> well, we Did need guys- to burn Hollywood down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun last fact is that he dedicated this book to Shirley Jackson, the author. Um, oh. And in memory uh, of Shirley Jackson, who never needed to raise her voice. So. Frankenstein, right? No, that's <laughs> Mary, Shelley Mary Shelley. Shelley. From, from 1800s. Uh, the, uh, Shirley, Shirley Jackson. Was, was, the, was the book we just, <laughs> uh, we just read for our book club. Yeah. We always lived in the castle. Uh, okay. The Haunting of Hill House and The Lottery uh, are Shirley okay. Jackson. Yeah. Got it, so. got it, got it. Okay. Um, so, but what do you guys think? Are you a Stephen King lover? Have you seen any of these films? What are your thoughts? Do you agree with us or not? Let us know. You can email us at remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram at remakesrebootsrevivals. We're active on Twitter 
at Remix Podcast, uh, Facebook.com slash Remix Reboots Revivals. We're also on YouTube. Or if you want to just uh, shoot us a quick voice message, if you have a lot of thoughts that you want to let us know and maybe get played on an episode in the future, you should call our hotline. And Rolando is going to tell you what that number is now. The number is 862-248-2326. That's 862-248-2326. And if you enjoy this podcast, please find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review and a little rating. Uh, these things really do help us. And we just also love hearing your guys' thoughts. So, yeah. Well, I guess that's uh, that. We are back. and We came back with a clunker. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think this was a good one. We all had really valid points and... And yeah, you know, we're telling you guys really well why it doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Burn. Well. All right. Well, until next until time. Until next time. Stay, stay original. original.